This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Welcome to Women Who Travel. I'm Lale Arikoglu. I'm very excited because today we're recording an episode I've wanted to make for a long time, and that's how to pack with help from Vogue. I'm joined today by Chloe Mal. She's the new editor of Vogue.com and the host of Vogue's podcast, The Run-Through with Vogue. Welcome, Chloe. Thank you, Lala. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about packing. Don't we all? Or at least (laughs) I love complaining about packing. Um, So we have a lot of questions in our inbox from listeners and some from your listeners too. Great. But I would love to start talking about you and your relationship to travel. Working for Vogue obviously makes anyone think that you're going to be traveling around the world for your job. I don't know if that's true, but I'm interested to know what your relationship to travel is, both in your personal life and in work. So I was very lucky growing up. It was very much just my mom and I living together. And my father lived, we lived in Los Angeles. My father lived in Paris. So we traveled often from when I was very little to see him. And so I feel like my mother and I are always uh, a good travel team. Um, Although she now, that I have young kids, has reminded me that she used to travel in um, matching ponchos for me and her because I vomited so often that she would have extra clothing and full ponchos uh, like through the airport, which doesn't sound as glamorous as my memory of it. But I was going to say this transatlantic trip to Paris. Yes, exactly. Not, not as chic as one would no, quite imagine. No, it's like a Paddington <laughs> situation. But I traveled a lot as a young adult after college. I lived in the Horn of Africa for a year and traveled a lot in that region. And I think that different regions that you travel in, there's different rules for the best way to travel. And so I think that you learn a lot when a different city is your hub. So if I'm traveling places from New York, I have different approaches than when I'm traveling from Addis Ababa or if I'm traveling from Paris. For work, I've worked at Vogue um, in some capacity since 2011. And I have taken some incredible trips for stories for Vogue. And I'm very grateful for that. I do think that even though people think of Vogue as just glamorous uh, fashion week travel, I have gotten to do some really, for me, interesting trips. So I went to fascinating trip to Honduras with the shoe designer Tabitha Simmons because she was doing a collaboration with Tom's Shoes. And that was amazing. I actually went back to Ethiopia to write about these three um, sisters who are Olympian runners. That was a great trip. I went 
uh, motoring through the Tuscan countryside with a um, vintage car collecting group of women. I drove from Kentucky to D.C. with the Sunrise Movement, which is a, a group of young climate activists. I am someone who still, even if I'm going to, you know, I went to El Paso for a story last week, and even just going to El Paso, there's something so exciting to me about the fact that someone pays me to go somewhere to do this thing that I love doing. So I, I love traveling for work. How do you think all of that kind of trained you for traveling for these features? You know, traveling for those sorts of jobs can be, it's incredibly hectic and really intense uh, if you're traveling for a story. Kind of what's your process for when you get on the ground and like, how do you tackle it? To me, that's the most fun part of writing a story is reporting it and the actual trip and being with whoever you're interviewing and being in the new place. Writing it, I really feel strongly about what Dorothy Parker always said, which was no one likes writing, everyone likes having written. And I really find like the two weeks when I'm actually hammering out a story just painful and awful for everyone around me. But the reporting part of the journey and the actual trip itself, I think is a delight. The only, the, the, ver the stressful part is the actual interview where you have one to two hours to get everything you need. And that can be hard. And there's often a lot of diplomacy involved with publicists and time constraints, or if it's overlapping with the photo shoot, how you're getting time if the photo shoot runs late. So it's really getting through that day and making sure you get what you need and sort of advocating for yourself to get the time you need to make the story work. And that, I think, is the trickiest part of work travel. What has been your favorite place that you've gone to for these sorts of trips? You listed off like an incredible mix of places. They've all been so different and for such different types of stories and yeah. people. I did a profile of Whitney Wolf Hurd, who's the founder of Bumble. And it was the news peg was that they were launching Bumble India. And I went with Whitney to Delhi and Jaipur and Mumbai. And I love India and I'd been before, but it was just such a treat to go for work. And they had a series of incredible launch events for Bumble India. And it was just a feast for the senses. And so I, I really love doing that. I really respect Whitney. I had a lot of time with her and a lot of access. So it was a successful reporting trip and also just a treat. It must be really interesting, you know, because I travel a lot, obviously, for stories, but often it's quite solitary. And, mm. you know, I just got back from Istanbul and I was there on my own reporting. So I had a lot of people to meet with yeah. and experiences to do and, and, and lots of interviews along the way. But there wasn't what sounds like with you where you're getting to kind of spend like really intimate time with yeah. some of these people, like to be traveling around multiple cities in India with yeah. someone that you've just met. Yeah. That's like a very intense form of group travel. Totally. And it's unique and it's a bond that really stands the test of time. You know, uh, Whitney was working with a publicist who I've known for a long time because he came from the fashion world and now he owns his own agency. But I mean, Malcolm and I truly traveled from Newark all the way through for a week together. And I just, I feel so intimate with Malcolm now, who's who's really just a, you know, a work associate, but someone who now I feel very close to because we've been in a lot of airport lounges together. I was going to say, there's nothing like sitting waiting for a delayed flight with someone that was totally, once a stranger. Totally. I mean, thank God I adore Malcolm and we had a wonderful time. But like, imagine if it had been someone I found extremely irritating. Um, <laughs> Which can sometimes be the case. Totally. How do you get ready for a trip? So it absolutely depends on 
the location and the purpose of it. I recently went for my like party mom rumspringa to my cousin's wedding in Oaxaca in March. Sounds great. And it was fabulous and they planned it beautifully. But I always travel unless I'm with my children, which is definitely then not a carry-on situation. But I always travel with I've had a Ramoa, I think they're called the salsa, the little ones. It's truly it's like the most amortized thing in my home. Like I have had that for 10 years. They repair it for free if it breaks. I've had wheels break before. I've been so actually fascinated to know what it's like to own a Ramoa because they tout themselves as these kind of like investment pieces that you have once and you keep the same suitcase forever. They've survived war zones and it's actually and like Ramoa, if you're listening, I sponsor me because I actually you don't even have to because I've never had to replace it. But my husband and I got them, I think like for each other, like right when we like maybe 15 years ago. And we've each repaired our wheels twice. It's been free repairs. They've gone from with me like to Ethiopia to um, Oaxaca to Honduras, like bumpy roads, unpaved roads. Um, and somehow there's something about the material that it just, you can get so much stuff in. Actually, I had a horrible experience uh, leaving Texas two weeks ago where like an idiot, um, someone had given me a candle on the story and it got flagged, something in like the wax. So they I flagged me. They had to open my bag at TSA. And I said quite loudly, be careful when you open it, it's going to explode. <laughs> and it truly was full <laughs> lockdown at El Paso TSA. And I had to explain to them that I'm just a moron who said that about my overstuffed bag. The one person that said the word explode going through TSA. Of course. <laughs> so I was there for hours. I mean, thank God I'm, I'm always early. But um, all that to say, the Romo bags really do take an explosive amount of things. like, And so I will pack always in that bag. If it's like the Oaxaca wedding, I love a warm weather trip because you can pack sandals, dresses, nothing else. Much harder for me is like last year I went to Paris in the winter for like four days. How do you get boots, jacket, winter clothing, knits in a carry-on? For me, it's I pack in a palette. So I'm packing in shades of one color or two colors. So I think that trip I did navy and gray. And it's usually around like a coat I'm excited about um, or a pair of shoes I'm excited about. Are you wearing the coat onto the plane? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. But then your plane outfit has to be in that palette, which isn't always easy. Another palette I'll do is like brown and navy. Usually navy is one of them. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't wear a lot of black. So that's rarely black, but sometimes it'll be like black and tan if I have like a great camel jacket I'm excited about. But for the most part, these are all quite like muted tones. Completely. Easy to work with. It's not like I'm not doing like a full Barbie Ramoa packing situation. But having, I don't know, like if you, if I have gray things and brown things, it's harder for me to wear those together. Like I have to, I, I'm not planning out the, the full look ahead of time. So I have to have things that are going to double work a little bit over time. Yeah. I have this great silk cat print scarf that was my mom's that's navy with like brown and orange cats on it. And that has been great for like tying together a brown and navy palette. <laughs> so I feel like there are sometimes like one or two pieces that are marrying your... I love that. The colors in your palette. <laughs> yeah, I think I've accepted that I actually can wear things more than once on a trip. I don't know why I thought for a long time, like I'm always like, I don't know, I've worn this like so many times, yeah. so I haven't washed it. 
And oh, yet, no, I don't believe in washing most things. Yeah. And yeah. yet somehow on a trip, I'm like, well, I have to have an outfit per day. And then maybe something for each evening. Oh, no, no, no. I've learned the hard way. Yeah. I'm a carry-on girl now. Yeah. I take minimal things. My one thing that I just can't seem to get my head around, and it wouldn't it's such a vanity thing, and I, I just can't do it, is running shoes. I can't wear them on the plane. Oh, me too. I just can't do it, and they take up so much room. And it's so silly because the, like, pair of loafers I'm wearing on the plane would be much easier to pack, but I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I also, I very, I wear running shoes that I like because they support my feet, but not because I like the way they look. So I'm just... No, I have the complete same thing, and I recently was on a work trip to Istanbul, and crammed my running shoes, which honestly didn't even use the whole trip, um, into my suitcase because I didn't want to wear them yeah. on the plane. And they took up really valuable real estate. I know. And I was even wearing sneakers on the plane. I, I know. Just, but I was I wearing know. my cool ones. Exactly. No, no, it's a huge... And then you see the, like, 28-year-old bros who tie their sneakers, their running shoes, to their backpack or their suitcase. And I can't be that person. But I get it. So the running shoes is a problem for me. But... That's an extremely important, like some of my favorite memories visiting places are running alone, discovering that place the morning of my interview. Interesting. Do you think that's because it's, I've, I find running really meditative. So I imagine like if you're kind of like, you're, you're wanting to like relax and get into the sense of the place, but you also want to relax before you're doing a big interview. Yeah. For me, it's also geographic. Like because of Google Maps, it's very rare now that I go to a place and I have to map out where I'm going. Because I'm getting in a taxi or an Uber or someone's picking me up. And it's such a nice way to understand the layout of a city, especially like a walkable or runnable city. It's like you actually have to know where you're going. You have to get back to your hotel. So I am, I mean, in Oaxaca, it was like I did a 30-minute run and I had seen all of downtown Oaxaca. I knew then where I wanted to go back to when I did my like sightseeing morning later that day. Like it was almost... It's almost like a prep trip. It's like you're going out, you're canvassing what needs to be seen later. And that I find very important. And it's always the memories I think back of, back to. All right, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to answer your packing questions. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh, my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There is five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically, I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, 
they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tyres, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, well, clearly you're an expert packer. Or at least you've learned a lot lot of lessons. I have a lot of thoughts. You have a lot of thoughts. A lot of anecdotes I'm sure you can bring to the table (laughs) and a little bit of guidance. Um, So I figured we could maybe start diving into some of the packing questions. Please. Hi, my name is Mia, and my question is actually a two-parter. First, what is the best method for packing multiple outfits in one carry-on? And two, how best to prepare for or prevent wrinkling while packing, especially when having limited access to a steamer? Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts about this. I'm going to make, I'm going to take a leap and think that this is maybe special occasion packing. So let's say if I am packing for a wedding and I'm not sure about what the hotel situation is or if I'm at an Airbnb or staying with a friend, I actually, because I've done some styling work too at Vogue, I have a great, very small steamer. There's a lot of very good travel steamers. And I feel like people immediately are like, oh my God, I wouldn't dare pack a steamer. But I, I don't do, I don't ever pack a hairstyling tool. So I feel like that's my swap. I'd rather have a steamer than not. That said, I also have packed dresses with wrinkles in mind and done like a chiffon rather than a silk or a satin, which shows wrinkles more. So, I mean, there's different options there. Obviously, packing with tissue paper ostensibly makes a difference. Oh, that's... That's always been my mom's like great packing thing is that you fold uh, on top of tissue paper. But I find that if, like, especially for a long dress, that can just, it's too much fabric and it it still will look wrinkled. So I am a big fan of the travel steamer. I do find that most hotels have a steamer. And I often will email the hotel ahead of time to put a hold on a steamer because there's nothing worse than, like, 5 p.m. before the wedding and there's no steamers available. So I will say, like, even the morning of or beforehand, like, I went to a wedding in Lake Coma last year last summer and I knew that all of these bitches were going to be doing steamers so I was like I want that steamer and I can have it the day before but I need it and that was really helpful because they're like great we've actually had a few requests we'll make sure that you're that is so smart I've never thought of actually just steam ahead ahead. steam at full steam ahead (laughs) um next question for packing different outfits I think is a very good question my biggest issue with that is footwear two things let's let's say that you're going to a wedding and there's three events. You're doing Friday night, maybe there's a day event Saturday or Sunday, and then there's Saturday, the actual wedding. If one dress is long and you're not going to see my footwear a lot, I will make the sacrifice of the shoes I would prefer to wear 
for a pair of shoes that I can wear to one of the other two events. So for example, like I wore a floor length dress to this wedding in Oaxaca. I would have preferred to wear like a gold prettier sandal, but instead I wore the wedge espadrilles that I wore to the dinner the night before because you could see them more the night before and it was important to have. I have I have a similar tactic. I have like a couple of just like workhorse heels. Yeah. That look that I that I kind of start if it if it's a wedding. Yeah. I'll style my wedding day outfit around those heels. Yeah. And then just kind of choose some outfits that I know will kind of work with them. Yes. I'm also a big fan of flats for special occasions and those pack better. I find that I have more fun at an event where I'm wearing a flat. And I actually wrote a piece a few years ago for the Wall Street Journal about how flats are here to stay for evening. And I saw a lot of in my research, a lot of great black tie flats. Jeweled flats and jeweled flats, pearl flats, uh, beaded flats. And I, I think that you can really dress up a flat sandal and those you can pack two or three pairs of flat sandals and you're good to go. That's a revelation. I am only now in my 30s getting out of the insecurities of my height. Yeah. I'm on the shorter side. Oh my side. God, it's so liberating. And it's really liberating for the space and your carry on. Yes. Yeah. Just slip them down the side. Yeah. So easy. I mean, I also have friends who have uh, hanging bags that have like pockets in them. So that sort of will work as your second carry on. I don't like to do that. I just pack everything folded with tissue paper and a steamer. Um, I do have a big secondary carry-on I take, which is usually it's a Paravel weekend duffel, I think, or weekend Is it the fold-up one? No, oh, but I love I that love one. I love the fold-up one. That's actually a packing secret of mine. That's my secret weapon. Is that I, I actually bring that Paravel fold-up duffel to on every trip. Because if I shop and I buy things, then I just check. I do the exact same thing. And for context for listeners who aren't familiar with it, it is basically what it says on the tin. It is a duffel that folds up into a little square sort of parcel and you can slip it into your hand luggage or at the bottom of your suitcase. And you can fit a lot in it when you absolutely on your return trip. The Paravel Weekender, I have it in blue. It's monogrammed. It's great because I can either just have computer, book, and I put my little crossbody purse in there so that I only have two. But if I'm going to a wedding and I really only want to carry on, I can also put running shoes at the bottom, uh, pashmina at the bottom that will also transfer to my wedding pashmina. I, I just think that if you have a roomy enough secondary carry-on, like your handbag, then you can put a lot of your weekend outfits in there. Or weekend, let's say you can store a lot of the accessories. Okay. Next question is from Audra, which is very, very quick one, but I would say almost an existential one, which is rolling versus folding. Interesting. So I actually, different clothes, different answer. I find that the indentations formed by the uh, bars of the rolling suitcase mean that I roll my t-shirts and my running clothes to form a base. Oh, that is so... <laughs> Smart, because those bars, they the get bars me every are time. Hard. Yeah. So I roll T-shirts and running clothes. Uh, I roll on the bottom to get to a flat mark. And then I fold. I don't know why. I, I'm a fan of rolling. I just, I prefer sweaters and other things. Well, I think. Like, well, and I also, I wouldn't roll a button down or a dress. I just would. And it also really does depend on the fabric. Like I'm not rolling totally. a pair of jeans. They, oh, no, no, they no. Fold, if they're, if, especially if they're sort of freshly laundered, they can fold pretty flat. Yeah. 
um, and provide quite a good base, I find. Yes. But I also have, like, I have this, like, number six silk dress that, yeah. or some sort of fake silk because it never creases. So that's something I roll up so it's super, super small and I just right. stuff it down the side. But that doesn't work for everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's a little bit of both. I haven't necessarily answered that question, but I I agree. Okay, so from another listener, Kate, she asked about the best way to go about packing shoes, which I feel like we've already touched on. But she also says she has the same question for jackets. And that's something that I struggle with. Oof, it's very, very hard. Summer, fine, easy peasy. Winter, firstly, I hate wearing a coat onto the plane and you've got to stuff it up in the hold. And You're not cold enough to just use it as a blanket? Sometimes not, because I also, I have my like, my sort of cozy clothes. I don't know. It's just, I have this You're big, right. I have this big coat. I think it's specifically going home to London at Christmas. And I don't know what to do with this bloody coat, but I need it for when I'm there. And then also being kind of lumbered with one coat or jacket the whole time. Right. Do you try and even put one in your suitcase? Absolutely not. Would never do it. I actually, I interviewed Cynthia Rowley once years ago, and she was like, I want to invent a puffer that zips to be a pillow for the plane. Yes. And it's a great idea. Genius. <laughs> I am very committed to one coat or bust. I, I also, I mean, keep in mind, I can't imagine... Just because of the way my life is right now, like, I can't imagine a trip more than five days. So I, I just, I can't imagine that I would need more than one coat. I mean, the, the, the hurdle that I come up against is, like, a blazer or a, a jacket versus a coat. So I want a coat, but I also maybe want a blazer. Like, let's say I'm going to Europe in November. It could go either way. And that, I think, is hard. I, I mean... This is very specific and not super helpful, but I have this spectacular Drews Van Noten coat that is a blazer and then a overcoat that buttons onto it. So you can either wear it the full coat or either one by themselves. And that's been amazing for me for traveling. But I just folding up jackets, it's just never ends well. So I really think wear your coat, suffer through the plane ride, use it as a blanket, get to the other side, and build your wardrobe around that. What I will say is, like, colleagues who travel for the collections, if you're checking a bag, go forth. Pack as many coats as you want. Just throw them in there. That's what everyone does. I get it. You need more than them. If you're trying to do carry-on and you're only going for five days, build your wardrobe around one jacket and wear it on the plane. I think I think this is part of my problem is that I'm always, like, so set on carry-on and never checking yeah. that I then I'm, I'm immediately limiting myself. Yeah. And that's my choice. That's the yeah. bed I've made for myself. Yes, exactly. Okay. And next question from Sarah wants to know about toiletries strategies. This is something that I find... That I've pretty much cracked. Um, I have What's my, yours? Okay. Firstly, it's managing to bring too many on the plane, but not getting them thrown away. Yeah. I feel like I've I've got my little kind of things that I empty out my favorite products into and keep them small. Not great for the environment, but I always use face wipes when I'm traveling because mm. it means that I don't have to bring my bottle of cleanser with me. Mm. But at the same time, I find it difficult on the way back because I have to check my bag because I've usually bought some toiletries. It, there's just nothing more devastating than having an over three ounce bottle of like confiscated. beautiful perfume. The worst part about it, to be honest, is that they can't keep it. Right. They're not allowed to keep it. So like I can see this like lovely young woman at TSA like eyeing this Chanel serum that this and it's truly just being thrown away. It's devastating. Anyway, 
Um, I find the toiletry part challenging. Uh, there's a great like three in one skin salve that our beauty editor Arden Fanning just turned us onto on when she was on the po- podcast, which is called Bonjour. And it's started by this woman who's a former French pharmacist, and it's a skin serum, skin balm. It sort of does everything. So I am a fan of these sort of do-everything products. I will often make things work for multiple uses. Like, for example, you know, if I want to smooth my hair out, I'll use just uh, lotion kind of thing, which is gross and makes your hair greasy, but at least I don't have to bring frizz, whatever. I rely on hotel shampoo and conditioner to cut down on what I'm bringing, which isn't always great because it means, especially if I'm like bopping around a few different places, your hair reacts in different ways. Is that something you plan for or? So I, first of all, don't wash my hair very often. I put conditioner in and I don't often wash it. I will bring a travel size conditioner mostly because I just get stressed about wasting like the little the packaging and the plastic of it but I also I have one of those reusable bottles that are travel size and I'll just squeeze some of my conditioner into there but then I use the conditioner that's my conditioner and then I'll use it as like my styling cream also I like to have two smaller bags of toiletries rather than one bigger bag I love the Kuyana makes these great leather um, zip uh, makeup cases that they're, they're quite structured, so they stand up on their own, um, and you can see everything that's in them, and they're two different sizes. So I'll do— that sounds great. Yeah, they're, they're great. They're not that expensive. It's a great gift because they come, like, nested in the other one, I get the monogram for people. They're lovely. But I'll put my toiletries in one and then the makeup, my makeup in another one just so I have things separate. If I'm going on, like, a— I'm rarely going on a long trip, but I'll try and organize like hair is over here, makeup is here, but I'm never really bringing that much stuff. Yeah, mine's just a mess of things stuffed in there. I feel like I'm already putting so much of my brain into trying to somewhat organize the inside of my suitcase that when it gets to my dop kit, it's just like, yeah, I've got it down to the sizes I need, just chuck it all in. And I have to say that um, Global Entry has been a game changer for my toiletries because I hate the idea that they have to be in a see-through thing. It's like, I don't want a plastic. I don't want a Ziploc bag. So I just have it in this nice leather thing because I don't have to take them out. That's great. And I've learned that those little lovely pink Glossier Ziplocs. Oh, people love those. Which people love does not cut it. Well, they're a, not clear. They're, they're not bubble clear. wrap. And I've tried, I've always tried to use it. And every time in Heathrow, they're I've like, I've heard other people you say doing? they use them. I know. And it, yes. But... They're pink and I don't know. And I'll have. Yeah. It's 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 tragic that my husband now was like in the home of someone else and was like, they also had that pink bubble wrap bag in their bathroom. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, sweet boy. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After the break, we address every traveler's nightmare. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Luna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. 
I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Okay, another one which speaks to me right now because I literally just went through this, um, which is from Hannah, who has an irrational fear that her luggage will get lost and not make it to her destination. She wants to know, do you have any carry-on tips to offset this fear? I, I think this fear is a great one, and I think it's justified. A couple of things. One, I did not come up with this. It was on the Today Show last year, which I don't watch, but a friend of mine works there, and she was like, why doesn't everyone do this? Air tags in every bag you check. And then you can at least know where they are when you can't find them. Second thing, I always have medication for three days. So like any pills that I take, I have three days worth and three days worth of underwear. And I do that for me, for the kids, whatever. It's just too stressful otherwise. I can't really think of anything else I urgently would need. So because this just happened to me. So I learned what I needed. Oh, what did you need? I don't do the underwear thing. And I should. I do Medication, yes. Um, I also always have my makeup mm. in my carry-on with me. Yeah. And then like laptop. Obviously, you have to bring your laptop and well, your carry-on. I mean, in. things Those that you things. always bring yeah. anyway. Um, yes. And a couple of pairs of socks I often have with me. Socks is a good addition. What I wish I'd had was my toothbrush. Oh, that I usually travel Which with. you can all, I, The thing is, is it the one thing I also think that you can do to offset the sphere, beyond the fact that there are things in your suitcase that you love and care about yeah. and want to get back, is that almost everywhere you're traveling to has pharmacies and has shops. Has a toothbrush. And has a toothbrush. <laughs> so yes, it's an added cost, but like in a pinch, you're always going to be able to get what you need. Yeah. But yeah, Air France lost my luggage. Sounds right. And didn't get it back? I did get it back. A few. A few days later. Okay, um, fine. It, I had a connection in Paris and yeah. my poor bag was left in Charles de Gaulle. Sadly... Neither the first nor the last time. No. That will happen. No, I learned, in Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> learned pretty quickly. I was like, oh, yeah, this happens in this app. The, there was literally at the baggage claim a ma- in JFK, a man with a list of names from our, my flight ready to greet us and be like, your bag is still in Paris because it happens so frequently. Oh, my God. <laughs> but yeah, underwear, I never think of for that. Yeah. So that's a great idea. Um, and the air tags. Yeah. Because there is also what I understand. It's rarely lost. It's I know, but it's just the peace of far. mind knowing where it is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like being able to track it. I did once, I was in the airport in Barcelona on one of those buses that takes you from the gate to the plane. Sure. And we were driving along and there was one of those like luggage carts like hurtling past oh, the runway. No. And this suitcase just rolled off the back and like tumbled off into the distance. And everyone on the bus gasped. Oh, no. Because it was this moment where everyone was like, this is how it happens. Oh, my God. <laughs> and no one went back for the bag. It was just ah. there in the rain. Ah. Forgotten. Someone's lovely thing. Devastating. It was devastating. So I'm haunted by that forevermore. <laughs> um, okay, so we have one last question, which is from Danielle, who describes herself as a good packer, but finds unpacking very hard. She gets home after a long trip and the last thing she wants to do is unpack her suitcase. She says, sometimes I leave it for a few days or even up to a week. 
What are your strategies for unpacking? And I must confess I've left it for even longer. It's terrible. It's just the worst. The only way it happens for me in a timely manner is you take it all out of the suitcase. And I just find that I'm more likely to put things away if they're in a heap on my floor than if they're, I mean, if they're in the suitcase, they're just neatly there in a corner. But you can't, I mean, the thing that motivates me to even open the suitcase is that I'll have things in my toiletries that I want to get to um, or my running shoes. But like the laundry and the things you wore could could be there for ages, especially if you were going somewhere in a different climate. So I have to, I take it all out of the suitcase, put the suitcase away in the closet, and then I just have this eruption of stuff. And I try to put the laundry immediately away. And then it's like, piece by, it's, it's a piece by piece process. The eruption is always, I throw it on my bed, which means oh, that then- Well, then you have to do it. I have to do it. Oh, that's that's- too heavy for me. Yeah, it's, well, you know, there's not much room in my apartment. It's kind of, <laughs> the bed's one of the only places it can go. <laughs> well, Chloe, thank you so much for all of these insights and tips. And I like to think that I'm going to be a better packer for it, or at least have aspirations of being a better packer. If people want to find you, follow along with your work at Vogue and your travels, where should they go? Instagram is a great place to find me. It's at Chloe Mel. And thank you so much. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and you can find me on Instagram at Lale Hanna. Our studio engineer this week is Kirby Glass. The show's mixed by Amar Lau. Jude Kampfner from Corporation for Independent Media is our producer. Special thanks to Jordan Bell for production support with this episode. See you next week. Are you ever minding your own business when you start to wonder, how do killer whales work? Who are Hollywood's paparazzi? Did British sailors get it on in the 1800s with each other? I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week on Getting Curious, I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. Honey, we explore everything around here with scientists, historians, activists, entertainers, and other brilliant guest experts. You can join me every Wednesday for an all-new topic with an all-new expert on Getting Curious. Listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.